Hello, good evening. Hey, what's up, world? This is Cleo Badashian. And I'm Lena Created. Welcome to another episode of Dope Dealer Radio. Where we showcase and discuss creativity, art, and reality unboxed in 2018. She sounds incredible. I can't wait to interview her. I got so many questions. No, listen, the average person may worry about their Instagram posts or how they look in their image, but what really counts is finances. And I think that's the basic understanding when it comes to functioning in the society. So I really got to say, Ange, I think this um, episode is really important. And hopefully a lot of our listeners really look into it and you know try to understand their finances better because um it's it makes a big difference especially for your family in the future but i'm so excited and i have a lot of questions too so um you know what let's get started after receiving acceptance into illinois institute of technology to pursue chemical engineering and biochemistry the ambitious woman just knew she would end up going to pharmacy school and be off to a substantial career with a pharmaceutical firm but plot twist, she soon realized that even though she had an affinity towards medicine and healthcare, her mom possessing a master's in nursing, that wasn't the field for her. So, while transitioning to a smaller community college to finish her associates, she secured a well-paying job that granted her benefits, let's say a 401k, hourly, and commission pay, at the ripe age of 21. So this is where her relationship with finances really began to unfold. After becoming an avid reader of entrepreneurial and financing books to better understand how she would be able to handle her finances, she realized that she really loved money and everything about it and how it moved and impacted the world. From that point on, she began to pursue a financing major. But shortly after receiving her finance degree, she secured a real estate license, purchased her first property in cash, and started architecting a life she once thought infeasible. Today, she's a financial analyst and a passionate realtor. Gabby has chosen to walk in her purpose by empowering and educating people of all ages and backgrounds. Gabby, also known to her clients as Savvy Gabby, works to help others understand how they can master their finances, invest in assets, and leverage their nine to five income. Not only has she been able to coach people into becoming homeowners and real estate investors, She's also been a solid resource for financial and small business consultations. She hopes to continue this path while also paving the way on her journey to debt freedom and real estate. So I'm Cleo, Cleo Badashian. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Gabby. I read your bio. I was so impressed. I'm like, by 21, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but. <sighs> well, thank you. You know, now since I'm almost 30. It's like after you yeah. hit 25, 26, 27, you, you turn back, you're like, what happened? What, what have I done with my life? Yeah, because we, I mean, it just happens because we were left to figure it out on our own. And, you know, sometimes that gets in the way, but you seem like you've been doing really good. Um, and I'm glad to actually uh, interview you because I have so many questions because I'm really at that point 
of you know finances and real estate mm -hmm. so um yeah one of the questions i had was okay so i'm a single mom i have mm -hmm. two kids and i have let's say five thousand dollars saved up mm -hmm. don't want to do anything with it and i'm supposed to be moving to georgia mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. my thing is rent or own i've been hearing that i can get a home with my situation and with my amount of money, but then you have to have a car and other things in mind too. So what would you tell someone like that? If I were your girlfriend and you knew that was my situation, what would you be your suggestion? <laughs> well, first thing I ask anyone, and, and then also keep in mind that re regulations and um, guidelines are different from state to state. So I'm in Chicago. So right. for Georgia, uh, you know, may be different. So I can't speak to everything that goes on in, in each particular state, but the general principles should still apply. So as far as, you know, trying to, a lot of people have, have been asking me about rent-to-own situations, and I feel like rent-to-own has its place, but I also feel like a lot of people that I've talked to that are looking to do rent-to-own, they can actually purchase. Hmm. So... You know, a lot of people feel like, you know, purchasing is a big hassle. It's a big ordeal. You have to have tons of money. It does cost money. It does take money, but it also depends on you and your particular portfolio. What right. I mean by portfolio is, you know, what's your credit score? What's your debt-to-income ratio? You may right. not have tons of money saved in the bank, but, you know, what amount of money do you have that you owe versus what you actually make? You know, for someone who may not have gone to college, you know, may not have secured a degree, but they've been working and they make 50 grand, it's completely right. different for somebody who's graduated from a four-year university making 50 grand that owes student loans. That's income. Right. Also keep in mind, you know, the credit card limit, credit card utilization, all those different things apply. So I would say we would look at your credit score, we look at your income, look at your savings. Right. If you have five thousand dollars to your name, but your credit score is six sixty, six eighty, you may qualify for first time homebuyer assistance, which would give you up to seventy five hundred dollars in closing cost assistance for okay. the home. There's closing costs that you need to have when you're purchasing a home. Right. Um, on the buyer side, and then the seller also has closing cost obligations a lot of the time. Right. And so right. a favorable situation would be where the seller comes into the situation and says, okay, you're offering me this price on the house. I'm agreeing to pay a certain percentage of your closing costs, right? Right. Um, up to, they can pay up to 6% of whatever that purchase price is on the property. Right. So a lot of times your purchase price, let's just say it's a $100,000 home. Um, if you're doing a first-time home buyers or if you're doing an FHA, you know, there's two types of loans. There's conventional and there's FHA. Conventional is where you put down 20% most of the time. FHA is where you have, you know, the lower cost out up front. Right. Okay. But even with the FHA, you're looking at putting down minimum 3.5% on the property, mm -hmm. whatever the purchase price is, plus, you know, other costs. There's attorney fees, which might be like four or $500. There's appraisals. Appraisals can be three to $500. There's, you know, little bits and ends that end up adding up, bringing a closing. So you can be anywhere from ten to $12,000 that you right. bring the closing, depending on, this is just like estimate, right? So right. if you're a single mother and you have $5,000 to your name saved up, you right. still want to talk to a lender. You want to assess what your situation is before you just assume that rent-to-own is your option. Rent-to-own, right. 
you know, it's pretty much a situation where rent to own is te technically is just renting. Right. In, in their every single the word. And then it's just the owner deciding whether they want to file paperwork with you, um, letting you know that, you know, after six months or 12 months of you living here and paying your, you know, your rent in good faith, that right. they'll then switch the deed or the title over to you. You know, as long as his lender, you know, if he's still paying a mortgage on it, as long as they vet you to be, you know, a worthy borrower. Right. But I feel like if if they vet you as a worthy borrower, then you could have just purchased yourself. Right. So it's okay. like um, just having a middleman when you don't really need one. I felt rent to own might be good because say you go in a home, you don't like the area or there's a lot, you can just up and out them as opposed to being, you know, um, I don't know. I think I just have, I'm scared when it comes to commitment to a home, especially if I'm not, you know, I don't feel financially stable to me being financially stable is probably having a couple of thousand, you know, um, just having a few thousand. That's really, you know, starter money to something, but, um, well, you do, you do need like that five grand. That's a great start. And that's, you know, feasible. Um, there are people, there are deals where you come out barely any money, you know, it just depends on the realtor that you have at hand. If they right. have your best interest at heart, if they're not just treating you like a client that they're getting a commission. Check off of. Right. <laughs> the other thing that you said that peeks out to me when I'm speaking to people who, um, are saying, you know, the commitment of a home. To me, honestly, I don't feel like a home is a commitment, a house is a commitment per se. I feel like when you go into real estate, real estate is an investment game in every way, shape, and form. It's an investment game. A home, a house is a piece of property, and if you've ever played Monopoly, you know that it's an asset, okay? So when you purchase a home, I've had clients tell me like, oh, you know, I'm scared of owning. There's two things. You're scared of owning because of the commitment, but yeah. keep in mind that when you're paying rent, you're basically giving that landlord, you're giving them what what the unit is really worth plus profit. Huh. Okay. And most of the time, a mortgage is cheaper than rent unless you're scaling all the way up. Like I've had people that I know that have paid, um, you know, their rent is $2,400 a month. Uh -huh. and they're splitting it with someone, right? right. So one person's paying twelve hundred, one person's paying twelve hundred, and then they went and got a home on their own, and their mortgage was two thousand. I don't feel like that's smart, you know. Like if you try, you should always be looking to scale yourself. So whereas you're paying thirteen hundred dollars for rent somewhere, you may be able to qualify for a mortgage that's eight hundred or nine hundred, even if the mortgage is a thousand. You're still coming out better because you're able to save three hundred, you know. Or at least put those 300 towards your utilities if you weren't paying for utilities in your previous place, right? right. Okay, well, that makes sense. That kind of puts me in a um, – I've always thought that renting was just giving away money. That's how I've always felt even when I had my first apartment. Right. So because you could always take that money and turn it into your own. And simply moving your location where the real estate is more, you know yeah. – um, Something easier to handle, like eight hundred dollars a month, and then you get more space. That makes more sense to me. Yeah, and um, the other thing too is what you said about uh the commitment. I feel like you should always go into a home looking to make sure that you have an exit strategy. Okay, so what I mean by exit strategy, especially for people in our age bracket, more than likely you're not going to stay in the house that you buy 
by the time four years come, you're probably moving to another place or relocating. So if you buy a house, then you need to have an exit strategy. There's two things. Either you need to have enough equity. Equity is basically the amount over what you it's – it's basically profit on a house. So okay. you buy a house for $100,000, right, mm-hmm. and it's not in the greatest shape or it needs to be updated, correct? Right. And you buy it not updated, and then you go in and you spend maybe twenty grand on updating it completely, updating the bathroom, updating the kitchen, updating this, updating that. Right. Your realtor should be able to look and see. <coughs> I'm getting over cold. Your realtor should be able to look and see that hey, the the homes in this market that are updated are actually selling for one seventy. Mm-hmm. You bought it for one hundred. It wasn't updated. We are going to put twenty to thirty k into it and renovate it. And now you can sell this for 170, 180, 190 because all the other updated houses around there are 180, 190. So that yeah. that's equity. That's the difference. The difference between what it could sell for and what you've invested into it, right? That gap right there, that's equity. So that's a situation where you could then say, okay, well, if I know that I'm going to be leaving, then I know that I can sell this house and get $50,000 off, $50, off top, right? Or... You could say, you know what, I'm not really feeling the whole flipping game. I'm not really feeling like having to worry about selling it. Right. So let me just make sure that this is a situation that's updated enough that I could pay top, I could charge top dollar for rent, and I can rent this single-family home out, even though I live in Nebraska now and this house is in Chicago. I can pay a property management company, or I can pay an actual realtor 10 to 20% of that rent every month to manage the property since I'm in another state. That's how you build residual income. Right. Cash flow of properties. So anytime that you buy a house, you need to be looking at it from that standpoint. Can I sell it for more money by updating it and then, you know, the equity that I put into it? Or can I rent it out and have a reasonable cash flow? Because if you're a single family home, Mm -hmm. you're paying $800 in rent, I mean, in mortgage a month. Right. But you update it and you look at the other, you know, your realtor should be able to do this. Look at the comps, the comparables in the industry, not the industry, the market, what, you know, mm-hmm. your immediate area, probably within a 0.5 to 0.7 mile radius, all the way down to a 0.3 mile radius, and see what homes just like yours are renting out for. If you're paying $800 in a mortgage and they're renting out for $1,650 over there, how much is your profit? Mm-hmm. Okay, so do, do you ever? So are you saying that if someone is renting for sixteen hundred, but you're paying sixteen hundred dollar mortgage, is it okay? And um, do you think it's kind of wrong if the person is charging more in rent so that they can get um more money out of it? No, that's the name of the game. That's that's what a landlord is. That's what a landlord is. Nobody okay. would do it if they weren't making a profit. Right. That's what I always wanted to know because I, you know, I I could see me in that position. Or just someone in that position, and they're like, "Yeah, I pay eight hundred a month." And then the the resident is like, "Well, okay, I don't know why you're charging me so much. You're only paying eight hundred, but it makes sense. You have repairs. You got to pay housing." Tax. Well, the the tenant wouldn't know what you're paying. First of all, like you don't know what your landlord is paying for what you have. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't know you don't know their mortgage his mortgage information. So okay. he could only be you know I don't know how many units there are in your place, but he could be only paying $200 a unit, but what is he charging y'all? That's his profit. 
You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't know. So that's why it's better to be on the opposite side where you have properties, you have rental properties, you have casual properties because somebody's going to be looking to rent every right. day. That's true. That's true. Okay. I feel a little bit better now because that was a question I've always had. Um, you know, if you can kind of double the price of the mortgage so that way you can't lose. You're making your mortgage. You've got the expenses to pay for whatever repairs are necessary. You can also add the money up to pay for your housing tax. Yes, and you just have to make sure that it's feasible for your market. Like you can't be paying, you can't be charging your tenant sixteen fifty for a three bedroom, two bathroom house in an area where the max rent for that area is twelve hundred. Right. Because they're gonna find somewhere else to live. You know. True. So right. it has to be within market standards just to make sure that you're good um, and make sure that you don't have any resistance or have any competition. It has to be within market reasonable, whatever the market is dictating, that's really what it should be at. And so that's going to pretty much dictate your profit margin as well. Okay. Um, we have a well, few I more um, questions for you. Uh, Ange, did you want to get into a few of them? Yes, I did. But you guys can't hear me very well. Can you hear right. me well? Loud and clear. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, great. So, yeah, I do have a couple of questions because there's going to be a lot of people that are in our age group that are actually working um, nine to fives or actually have had children and try to do these things from home. So I wanted to know if you have any suggestions of how a person would leverage their nine to five um, and also how you would uh, raise income as a work at home, working it from home. Okay, so... Present the question to me one more time in totality. Sorry. Okay, no problem. So I don't think I'm very good. So let me go ahead. Um, all right. So if a person wants to be able to to be a homeowner, wants to be able to build their wealth, how would you suggest that they would leverage their nine to five to do that? And also, if they were not working a nine to five and they were working from home, how would you suggest that they they tackle it from that angle? Okay, so two separate questions. How yeah. would I instruct someone who is working a nine to five to leverage their nine to five income? And then the other part is, how would I, somebody who's working from home, how would I advise them to leverage their their income, right? Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to become a homeowner for financial purposes, correct? Right. right. Okay, so the first part of the question, nine to five. I would say the nine to five part is probably the simplest because when it comes to you proving your income, you have W-2s, right? Um, when you're going through the lending process, and there's and there's two separate ways that you can purchase a home. You can purchase a home in cash or you can purchase through a mortgage by doing mortgage lending, right? Contacting your mortgage lender. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But there's two, there's two separate ways. So with someone who has a nine to five income, I feel like the W-2 is one of the most leverageable things that you can have because it proves your source of income. Like a lot of people don't know, just for the record, at least in Illinois, I'm not sure about other states, but in Illinois, I know that there's actually, you know, a, there's a program for college students, okay, and they actually know that if you secure a job right out of college, okay, you can actually present a letter of employment, show you know, an offer letter. Because, you know, if you've been in college pretty much, you're probably a full-time student this whole time, so you don't necessarily have any reference for income per se. You might have been working like a quick, you know, work-study job or something like that, but you can actually 
provide your employee letter, offer letter from whatever company, and it shows like what your income will be. And you can go to a lender and you can say, hey, this is going to be my job. I'd like to purchase a house straight out of college. Yeah. A lot of college students don't know that. That is a program that should be available. And I would say ask around to a lot of mortgage companies, not necessarily banks, but mortgage companies, because a lot of people think that banks and mortgage companies are one and the same. They are not. That's a whole nother topic. Okay. Um, but that's one way to leverage the fact that you have a nine to five before you even start the nine to five. Now, if you've had the nine to five, you're out of college. The best thing you want to be able to do is you want to be able to save. Now we could go into the ways that you can save money, but it's really quite simple. The more money you have saved and the less debt to income ratio is, the better position you'll be in for purchasing a home, right? Right. So you want to make sure that, hold on one second. You want to make sure that you're saving as much of your income as possible and you're lowering the amount of subscriptions you have and the amount of monthly bills that you have to make sure that you're putting yourself in a prime situation because you don't need tons of money in the bank with a nine to five to, 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 to purchase real estate. Another thing that you can do they just is... just want to know you have a stream of income. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then have enough money in savings. The other thing is a lot of people don't know that there are different benefits that you can have to purchasing your first home with money from your 401k. There are a lot of situations where you can take a nice chunk out of your 401k and you can buy a property. For me, I took money that I had saved up and money that was left over in my 401k when I was done with my job. And that's how I purchased my first property in cash. I took okay. the money that I had saved up. I took the money that was left over my 401k because at that point I was going into full-on entrepreneurship as a realtor. Because yeah. my job and I said, I have my, I have my license, so I might as well just go ahead and give this thing a shot full-time, right? right? So I knew that, you know, with my income not being predictable, I knew that me paying $700 a month for rent was probably going to make my life a lot more stressful if I kept that situation. So I looked in the MLS because I I had access to the MLS and I asked my mentor, my real estate mentor, like, what do you think I should do? And I found a condo for less than 20 grand. Mm. Wow. So Dang. I bought the condo for less than 20 grand. Um, and it's a very rentable condo. A lot of times people will buy condos thinking that it's, you know, better, a better situation for investors, not necessarily because a lot of condos nowadays, their bylaws say that you have to live in the property at least for two years before you decide to put somebody in. And then some of them say you can't rent, rent the property out at all if you leave. So wow. this condo actually, my mentor actually owned one of the units in this condominium as well. So she already knew like what the situation was. And she was like, oh yeah, you should get it. You should get it. So it was less than 20 grand. I shelled the money out and I've been living rent-free, mortgage-free for almost two years. That's beautiful. So now, so now um, I do work as a financial analyst because I decided, you know, I have multiple streams. I actually wrote down all the streams of income that I have and I right. have about eight streams of income. Two of them I'm just going to start tapping into within the next year or two. Okay. okay. But I wanted something that was stable because as an entrepreneur, you know that like if there's no stability per se until you get your systems running and that takes time. That can take a couple years depending on what your service is. As a realtor, 
it's really like there's not really much control until you have like a system in place. So for me, not having children, not having a spouse, not having a lot of responsibilities, that was a blessing in disguise because if I did, yeah, I might not have been able to be, you know, in my situation, a realtor just alone for right. much amount of time because for me some sometimes things take off like I have a, a, a close friend a close business partner that did 14 deals in one month I mean not in one month 14 deals in one year in his mm -hmm. first year his very first year 14 deals right that's phenomenal that's not everybody's story right so so for me you know I wasn't one to do the 14 deals but the deals that I did were quality deals um, and then you also have to keep in mind that as a realtor your deals you can work your butt off for deals and get yourself into the middle of multiple deals trying to close. And because something else doesn't fall through or pull through, you could end up with a deal not closing. Right. And you have done all this work. So just because like the deal didn't close doesn't mean you did anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? It just means that the nature of the situation, there's so many different moving parts, right? Yeah. So for me, I decided, you know, I need some stability in my life. I did graduate with a finance degree. I love finances, and you all read my bio. I'm sure you all will share that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, you know, I still want to operate in the industry in which I feel like I was called, right? So I went ahead, and I secured a job as a financial analyst for a global bank. Okay. And, you know, now I have the stability of, of, of income every two weeks, right? Right. I'm still doing real estate. I'm still leveraging my other businesses that I have. I do have like a, a multi-level marketing business that I do um, that deals with health and wellness. I have some other ways that I generate income. I'm a big fan of Lyft and Uber because I get new real estate clients when I do Lyft and Uber. And I might just do it for like an hour after I get off work to to, to wait out traffic, whatever yeah. I call it, you know. So there's a lot of different things that you can do to like leverage your time, leverage your money. But now leveraging my nine to five income, because I don't have rent or mortgage, now I'm able to stack more money, pay off debt. So now right. it's attack the debt. The debt, right. is not, you know, I don't have the debt of, you know, renting or paying a mortgage. So I need to attack the other debt. Right. 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 So, you know, with with leveraging your nine to five income, I also am putting that money into my marketing for my real estate business. I'm also leveraging. I also leveraged when I had the nine to five before I left it. I was putting that money into my multi level marketing business so that my multi, you know, I could use the products, try the products, right? See if they right. get a testimonial around the products because I like natural plant based things, and then. I was able to leverage my testimony and leverage my assignment for the products, and I was able to secure like what six, seven hundred dollars extra income a month. That was able to pay for my car, my car insurance. So for a long time, even when I had a nine to five, I wasn't paying for my car, my car insurance because my other business was paying for that. So right. you know, when you're leveraging your nine to five, you're you're trying to find little ways to pocket money and understand that it takes money to make money. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? There's no way around it. Like anything less legit it takes money to make money so you have to use a nine to five and the, the first way some people feel strapped you need to cut down your expenses you know if you have a nine to five and you're like well how do i leverage it and i don't have no room you need to look at your expenses and if your expenses are too much then you need to get a side hustle you need to right. do live do um shipped do amazon flex whatever there is that you could do braid hair you know i also can do braid hair and do all that stuff if i right. really wanted to so there's never going to be like a dry dry moment 
Um, for people who are working at home, same rule applies. You need to be getting your hands into as much stuff. If your craft, I know one one of my um, friend's wives, she does hair braiding on the side, but she really sticks to just crochet styles. Right. Because crochet styles you can do in two hours. Exactly. You know, $50 a head, two hours, two hours, two hours, two hours. So how many, how much money can she make? 50 to $75 each head, two hours by the time she gets off work. She could probably do about five heads before she goes to bed. That's extra a hundred dollars a day, you know, two hundred dollars right. a day. Right. That's the type of stuff you need to be tapping into. Um, right. To make sure that you're leveraging your income. Now, when it comes to purchasing a home, all of that stuff needs to be documented. You also need to be making sure that you're paying your taxes. It's a lot easier. The other reason that I decided to do a nine to five, it's a lot easier to prove your income and prove your sustainability for purchasing right. properties when you have a W-2 versus when you're 1099. Because when you're right. 1099, you have to have a certain amount. I want to say it's like 20 grand at least that you need to have made for like the last two years and have filed taxes on that money for the past two years for them to like take you seriously. But I mean, to be honest, $20,000 a year is not really anything that's going to put you in a position you know, pay for a house, right? So um, that's that's what I would say to people who are nine to five or who are working from home. You want to make sure that you are taking advantage of every possible thing that you could do to lower your lower your expenses and stack money. That's that's how you leverage it. That's the only thing. And then the only other thing too is you know pouring your your interest or your your money into an opportunity that would create more income for you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you had touched on um, ways to make income and um, managing it because I tell people these things sometimes. I have friends, they give themselves these extra expenses when they're things they can do for themselves, you know, and save money. And people don't take that into consideration. They think I have this nine to five. This is what I got to work with. And, you know, they set their life to that and they really don't have to. Because um, me personally, I try to find side hustles all the time um, to try to, you know, I think, time, like they say, time is money. So if you have that time and you're not tired and you can get more money, you know, brought in, why not do it? And then it's going to benefit you in the future. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that this is going to make people feel a little bit more relatable to the topic of um, financial literacy and um, real estate because a lot of people feel left in the dark. Yes, you can educate yourself, but when you have people in the industry such as yourself that makes people feel more comfortable and explains it to them, listen, it doesn't have to be that hard, just do this, this, and that. And that's even just a basic, um, that's just basic, uh, what are you doing? Basic advice right there, just to find other ways to make money and to balance your you know, expenses and, and at least bring them down. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big thing. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I would say, you know, we have so much power within. You could be making 20000 30000 50000 I'm really big on um, Dave Ramsey. I, I listen to his podcast, like, religiously, like, daily. And okay. if you listen to his podcast, you'll hear people who made 30000 20000 40000 and still paid off hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because they were disciplined with their money. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. 
Right? Exactly. That's so, what I keep telling people so in the game. You have people who just sacrifice. You know, they said I didn't go shopping. I didn't go out every. You know, we live in an age where social media it makes you want to get the latest Yeezys. It makes you want to go to the latest Jay Z concert. It makes you want to swig. <laughs> yeah, a frontal, which people don't even realize that frontal is going to require maintenance in the next two weeks if your hair is growing. Yeah. And how much is the frontal maintenance? It's like 50 to $70, depending. So you're going to pay that every two weeks, sis? That's it. $50 to $70 every two weeks, that could be going into your savings account or into your emergency fund. What happens right. if your car breaks down? What happens if you need to pay your insurance deductible? You know what I'm saying? I don't think people really calculate, you know, that that expense because when I went natural, I saw the difference immediately. I think a lot of people do, you know, mm -hmm. the when you start not perming every few weeks and you start not buying the weave all the time. You know what I mean? You're you see yeah. that where it's been digging into your pockets. Mm -hmm. so that could be definitely a major place where people can be saving their money and you know i wanted to mention too please tell the people that the mlms which are like the avons and the flat tummy tees those are not necessarily scams those are legitimate ways to actually be able to increase your income so you can afford things like that yes they're not they're not scams um the the mlm that i work with is it works global and it's the skinny wraps it's the wraps that um, you might see, and then there's a whole nother topic to, to those, but there's over 40 products. There's hair growth pills, there's um, skincare, there's keto coffee that I use religiously on my Instagram story. If you um, know my Instagram is Savvy Gabby the Realtor. I use keto coffee religiously because it is a healthy alternative to coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, but being a financial analyst, I'm looking at numbers all day. And I need something to give me focus and clarity to start my day that way as well. And so there's a lot of different products that we carry. And people will say, oh, it's a scam, it's a scam. But everything that we offer is plant-based. So I found something that aligns with me being a healthier individual, right? Um, right? I need energy. I need, you know, carb management. I need weight loss. I need skincare. I need all these things. But I also want to make sure that there's not any chemicals in them that are harmful to me. Right? right. So that aligned with me. So I just say all that to say, find something that aligns with what you're about. You know, there's a lot of different um, MLMs out here that are very legit. You just have to find one that works for you and find something that, you know, takes the amount of work that you're willing to put in. Because some MLMs take way more work than others to oh, make yeah. income as well. So <clears throat> um, there was something I was going to say about um, piecing together. Um, you said something about like natural hair or what have you, but you know, people don't think about the cost. People don't think about the cost of different things. Um, one app that I use right now to manage my finances is called the every dollar app mm -hmm. and it's free and I can literally go in and create a budget. It's a lot simpler for me now that I have like a stable nine to five income. I am, I know what my checks are going to look like every two weeks. So I automatically put those in there and then you can just go ahead and deduct and deduct and deduct and deduct from that whatever your bills are, whatever you know you're going to have to pay, you deduct it. And then from there, it tells you how much you have left to budget. And so like everything that I do, I take pictures of every receipt. I, you know, I used to be one of those people like, man, do you need your receipt? Oh, no, don't worry about it. No big deal. Now I ask for every receipt because I go ahead and I take a picture of that receipt and at the end of the week or maybe at the end of that day, I go and I move all my receipts over to my album that says receipts. I have an album in my phone that says receipts. I look and see what I'm putting in and then I put it into the app and it shows me like how much 
you know, you have left. Um, right. and also, it also gets rid of the mindset, you know, of, oh, I have it in there. I have the money. Because when you start spending, spending, spending in your mind, you're like, well, I started off with this amount this morning. And by the time you spend, 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 you still, your mind is still thinking you still have that money in there. And then when you go in there and you, that's how you see the memes about when 11 bucks. Paid, when you got paid, but now you only have 20 cent in your account and you got to wait two weeks. Yeah. You know and then a lot of, turn this down. And then a lot of people, they sign up for things and they have their credit card attached to it and they keep taking money out and then they forget about it too. Yep. And managing your subscriptions as well. So that every dollar app counts. Um, <clears throat> with that, so. I use a similar app, um, Mint. I started using Mint, and I've connected up like everything, and it actually it ends up um populating a, a pie chart for you, showing you like what you spend your money on. So like it will have like how much you're paying on your on your rent or your mortgage, how much you're spending in food, how much you're spending on your kids. You know, it has everything on this little pie chart, which I find so it shows your income it shows how much you're spending for the whole month in your in your uh, thing and then it has like your spending throughout the year like in bar, tra bar charts i find that really really useful that same that other app it works the same way yes mm -hmm. yeah. right so um my other question is about um credit because you did mention like when you were discussing about purchasing a, a, a home is that credit is so important. So I did want to just touch on how people can try to clean up their credit prior to trying to purchase a home. Um, the best thing I would say is don't pay anybody to fix your credit for you. Fix it yourself. You mm -hmm. can go to um, Experian, I believe, and print it out. It's a dollar for your uh, credit report. And then um, it's like $21 every month if you want to keep abreast of it there. But you can cancel within seven days. You just have paid that $1. And it literally shows everything. I just actually printed out my credit report for the beginning of the year to see what happened last year um, and in the years before. And it literally tells you everything. It gives you the numbers of every associated with every account in case you want to call and dispute. Um, it has a link. <coughs> Excuse me. It has a link. So that if you want to dispute something, you can click on it and go ahead and dispute. You can do all of that stuff yourself. And I, I've had people paying people. I've heard people paying $1,800, $2,000 and stuff like that to, to people to do work that they could do themselves for free. They squeeze their credit. So yeah. my biggest advice to you fixing your credit is to know what it is. Credit karma is not the most accurate when it comes to home purchase process. It's not okay. accurate. Um, but for general, just credit keep, keeping instances, it's fine. I would say download your report from pre, free credit report. You get one free credit report a year. Um, so you can download it at the beginning of the year and then just keep track of it using another free app. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Learning and, and seeing what's affecting, because it's going to tell you what's affecting your, your credit score. And a lot of times I know it's utilization, yeah. um, you know, of your credit. So if your credit card you know, has a limit of $2,000, you really don't need to be spending more than $600 because that's 30% of the balance, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you keep your utilization low. You know, credit card is not cash. You know, if you don't have the cash to literally put it on the card, like right at that moment or right within the next day, then technically you can't afford it. Right. So it shouldn't go on the card. And that was one of the, the mistakes that I made 
as a young person, you know, 18, 19 years old, people are sending you cards left and right, Victoria's Secret, Best Buy, all these places sending you cards left and right, and you're thinking it's free money, and it's not. Mm. It's money with interest. You know, it's, it's, it's a bank, basically. They're loaning you this money, and on your credit report, what really stood out to me was when I was looking at my different credit card accounts, it said loan amount next to it. Wow. You know, loan amount. Credit cards are loans. They're not, it's not cash, you know. Right. So you, you, when you really realize that, you realize, like, wow, I need to make sure that I'm using this accordingly. Like, right. how many loans do I have out? You know, how many loans do I have paid down? And then, you know, start with the smallest debt and pay it off. If you have a credit card that has $200 on it, pay that off, like, as quickly as possible. Don't get your nails done. Don't get your hair done. Don't, you know, go out for that drink or that meal. Go and pay it off. Right. I've always thought the same way. Uh, Take care of what's important first. Me, personally, I didn't get to have any credit cards because, when you know, I moved out of my home. I live in New York. There's a lot of scam artists here, so the person I moved with, they got me and they messed up my credit. So um, knowing me, I wouldn't have ever used a credit. I wouldn't have ever had a credit card. I'm just, I don't play well, they with have, it. They have their place. Credit cards do have their place because that is one way to gauge your credit worthiness. If you don't have credit, they can't determine how likely you are to pay them back. Right. Know, for whatever, right. car, you know, home, whatever. That's right. why it's also best to like stack your money up and look on the MLS and see what you could buy for cash because when you're going to a mortgage company, you're basically asking them, hey, can you loan me $250,000 to buy this house? Right. I'll pay you back. Promise. Right. That's, that's what you're saying, you know, when right. you're going to a mortgage company. It will be best to just be able to reach into your bank account and say, oh, how much does the house cost? 50 grand. Oh, I have that in my 401k or, oh, I have mm-hmm. that money set aside. Let me just yeah. your cash offer. I sold a house not too long ago. It was like a three-floor, two-bedroom, one-bath, townhome kind of situation. And it was uh-huh. thirty-five grand. That's not bad. It was thirty-five oh. grand. You know, of course, it was far away from everything. It wasn't near the city. It was in the suburbs in the back. Right. You know, but, I mean, it was thirty-five grand. 